Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. 
Hey guys, well, we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be chatting with Ariel Lore from The Blonde Files, which is a wildly popular podcast and Instagram account. Um, she talks a ton on her platforms about health and wellness, um, but she has a really interesting journey because she initially came out of addiction. She had a very difficult fight with addiction. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that. And then we're also going to hear from BJ. And BJ is talking with us today about why we resort to numbing our pain and how to stop it. But first, I'm going to chat with Rue. Hey, Rue. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How is your self-care going? My self-care is actually going pretty good, which is kind of astounding in, you know, given everything going on in the world. Um, but I think it was really helped by the fact that uh, last week I took my kids on a little vacation. We went to Zion, which is a very beautiful natural national park. And then we went up to Park City. And in both places, we just we hiked, we got out in nature. Um, and I'm here to report that nature can really do a brain a lot of good. And the kids had fun too? They did. I mean, you know, there was a lot of whining initially. I think I don't think it's the way they wanted to spend their last week of summer. But sure. I also don't think any of it of this is how they wanted to spend their summer. You know, being isolated from their friends as teenagers is not fun. But um, yeah, by the end, I mean, it's funny, we, we hiked the Narrows in Zion, which is that kind of iconic, um, you know, you've seen pictures where it's like these steep walls of rock on either side, and you have to walk through like a river. Mm-hmm. And they were really whining, like, re- like, all <laughs> of them were close to meltdown. And then at the end of the trip, they all said that was their favorite. Oh, good. And that must be that must for them, it must have been a nice way to sort of close out the summer before diving into distance learning. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it was a last minute trip. And it was kind of a consolation trip because we had been trying to do this Indio trip. Indio was like out in the desert outside of Palm Springs here in um, California. And you do it every summer. We do it every summer. We go with a bunch of friends. It's this big kind of end of summer blowout. It's really fun. Um, and the kids play in the pool all day. And then we all go out to the golf course at night and we play capture the flag. And it's just this like kind of epic summer thing. And all summer, um, my friends and I have been like, okay, we're, st- we're we've got to still figure out how to do it. And we were strategizing like, okay, we can all get tested right before we go, or, mm-hmm. you know, we can all really quarantine before we go because, you know, we didn't want to go and risk infecting each other, but we also didn't want to go and social distance on this trip. You know, right. we wanted to be able to cook for each other and being each other's rooms. And so we had all these grand ideas. And just at the end of the day, we could not figure out how to pull it off and really feel safe and responsible. Um, And one of the one of the friends that was coming on the trip, her father died of COVID um, over the her father in law over the summer. And we just we all kind of felt like we just can't do it. We can't do it. Like, you know, we can't do this trip and walk away feeling like we might have just exposed each other. So we canceled it. And then Zion was just I kind of, you know, took my kids alone on that trip. Um, Well, I my boyfriend came with us for the beginning part. And then actually Mark met up with us in Park City. Um, So I wasn't alone. But I bet you know, our germ circle (laughs) was the only people on the trip. Um, But it was nice. It was really, really good to not be on the internet for long chunks of the day, you know, yeah. 
I mean, I was still, you know, checking in at night and looking at the news and, and all getting that, angry yeah. and getting angry. <laughs> but but most of my day was spent off of it. And I think that did a lot for my mental health. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely smart. I think yeah. that uh, it would be worth it for me to just shut shut it off for a little while. Yeah. I've, and I go through phases and lately I kind of went through a, you know, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna keep up with the news for a couple days mm-hmm. just to give my brain a break. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us need to do that. And it's like, of course, we're not advocating not being informed. That's important. But the news cycle right now is so overwhelming. Or even if you just limit like how long you're going to spend on the news in a given mm-hmm. day. And I, I personally, for me, I know, for me to catch up on the news in the morning is much better for me than catching up on it at night. Yes, that is smart. Because there are times where I've tried to just kind of go the day, like just Mm -hmm. a normal day. And then at night, it's like I'm on the couch, I'm winding down, I'm just getting so angry because I'm going, I'm catching up on Twitter. I'm like, what the hell? This happened? And this happened too? You've got to be kidding me. Um, And I remind myself a lot, like, this, the news will be there tomorrow. Like, you, you know, you don't have to do a morning and evening check, like whatever happened tonight. You can find out about it tomorrow. You're not going to do anything about it right now at 11 (laughs) p.m. Yeah, yeah. How's your self-care going? Well, uh, I have interesting new news, Mm -hmm. and it is that I signed with a literary agency. Which is so exciting. It's very exciting. I signed with ICM, so I am in the midst of writing a book proposal, uh, which I didn't realize is like writing a miniature book. Um, Yeah. Hi, it is. It's so It is so much. And so I'm writing this you know, memoir slash nonfiction slash something. I don't know. Basically kind of outlining the last two years of my life and the work I've done. Um, And so it's interesting because it's kind of like, for me, there's, (laughs) I was joking about it, but is there a more self-important sentence than I'm writing a memoir? Well, yes, there is. And I'm going to tell you, it's the sentences that come after that, that you have to put in a book proposal, because it's so mortifying. I mean, it's worse than writing a mini novel. And here's why. With a mini novel or mini memoir, you're at least like writing what you want to write. In a book proposal, the entire thing is you trying to convince someone else why you're important enough to get a book. It's so mortifying. Yes, where it's like, hi, (laughs) hi, um, yes, I'm writing this thing, and you should read it, and you'll love it, and also, it's all about me. Yeah, (laughs) and here's why people like me, and here's why I'm popular. I mean, that's what it feels like. Yes, so I am uh, 15,000 words in. That's great. That's good. Yes. And I'm like, you know, every time I send something to uh, this, this also feels like a a self-important sentence. So every time I send something to my agent, my agent, my my agent, agent, um, I'm always worried about what the response will be. You know, like you always want a gold star. Totally. So I've just been doing this, just tons of writing. And I have um, (laughs) a printable off Etsy of it's a gumball machine. And and every time... (laughs) Oh Every time I finish writing another thousand <laughs> words, I color in a gumball. I love it. I love yes. that. So I have this. So, so okay. So now I'm, uh, you know, attempting to write a book while I'm homeschooling and just doing oh, other work that's as well. Easy. Okay. So I'm trying to get my systems in place. Uh, but there are times too, like I keep thinking, 
before you wrote your book, did you ever do any Googling like, oh, um, writer routines? Like, you think it's going to be this like very romantic sort of journey where, you know, you have this little ritual and you right. wear a special sweater and you right. have a special mug and then you just pour your little heart out. And it's not like that. It's no, like, okay. It's just you in your kitchen in your pajamas. It's just <laughs> undignified. <laughs> it's like, okay, I have 30 minutes. Everyone leave me alone. And totally. you're just hammering out words. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel. And I really want it to, I want to have like that Hemingway moment where I'm not in a cabin. You want to be know? on a terrace in Italy. Yeah. Right, right. And like every latte has like a drawing, has like a little art thing in the foam. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not like that. Like my it's desk not. is a mess and there are just crushed cans of Diet Coke everywhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I remember one day because this is the real this is real writer's life is that you by the end, you start like eating at your desk, you know, like you're just so like consumed and you got to finish. And so I remember at one point my desk had like dirty plates on it and like papers everywhere. And I was like, this is so gross. Like, this is where I've written a whole book. Like, I live at my desk now. (laughs) Um, As you say that, so on my desk right now, I have a water bottle, a seltzer, my, my medication, makeup, and a sandwich. It yeah. is like I feel. I feel like I'm having. I'm living like a frat boy life, yes. just like right on my desk. <laughs> I mean, I know there are people that do their distance, you know, writing. Well, well first of all, we're in a pandemic, so you're not going right. anywhere. You're not. You're not going to Italy or even anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think most of us slog it out at our homes in very unflattering ways. <laughs> yes. It, uh, who is it? Uh, what's her name? Opposite Tina Fey. Um, uh, Amy Poehler. Yeah, Amy Poehler said, you know, people have all these like grandiose ideas, but really it's just a hacking away at an iceberg with a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And It is. And yeah, so it's just kind of these moments or if I think about something and I'm like, oh, I need to write about this, but I need to go to bed. I'm just like scribbling it out. I, I scribbled out like five ideas on a notepad. And the next morning I woke up and I could not read my hand. So funny. So anyway, so I'm I'm like deep in that, oh, I have to write a book proposal and this book proposal better be good and I hope it's great. And what if it's not? And then I don't get to write a book or you know I know. And so it's you know, you kinda go down this like you think that that getting signed is like this big honor and it's like a it it means that someone believes in you. And yeah. so there's this element of that, but then you go, oh, okay, now I can't let them down. Like it just I comes know. with it just comes with a, a bunch of other fears. So I am trying not to just live in imposter syndrome and I am just I dutifully know. hacking away at my at my keyboard. But here's the thing to remember is the proposal can be written and rewritten and rewritten. So if you turn in something and your agent's like, I don't love this, it's not a done deal. She'll send it back to you and be like, change, change this, then change that. You know, like she will help you craft the right proposal. Right. And it'll work out. Right. But then, but then it's kind of like, it's like your publishing is like trying to find a date to prom. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, then you're basically auditioning for publishers, which is also mortifying, mortifying. And, you know, you will get turned down, of course, like everyone is, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody, because they, they throw it out to everybody. Yeah. And I mean, I remember I got there was one publisher that I really wanted to be with. And they like flat out were like, Nope, no, thanks. Oh, (laughs) that would crush me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, or, or, you know, and, and thankfully, my, 
like the agency hasn't mentioned any of this, but do you have enough Twitter followers to publish a book? Like that's Well, the publishers will mention will mention that. That's the uh, whole thing. Yeah. Uh, that'll be brought up. I'm gonna have to buy some followers. <laughs> no, don't do it. Rue. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, know, I would I know never, you but you know. But Aww, we know people who have. Yeah. <sighs> So that's that's where I am. That's my, my self care is just battling imposter syndrome and yeah. uh, and trying not to procrastinate. So that's where I am. I mean, I will say writing a book is a very very difficult place to try to have any self care from. It really, I, I found it really difficult. Like my self care really took a dive when I was writing a book. Well, there's this. What is this? What was the phrase? It was like. It's not so much the writing, it's getting in the headspace for the yes. writing. So maybe uh-huh. you need like three hours of like getting there That's just right. to get into the That's writing. Right. And I can't write if I'm not in the right same headspace because yeah. especially, I mean, and you're like pouring your heart out I know. to a computer and you can't do that if you're like, okay, I have to go pick up this in no. 30 minutes. And yep. so, yeah, that, that part is definitely difficult. And I don't want to get to that point where I'm not doing any self-care. Like, I don't want to be unshowered, sitting here, hunched over my desk like a gargoyle, uh-huh. you know? And I'm totally. afraid I'm afraid that I could go that route really easily. You Well, I did. I for sure did. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, especially with kids around, it's really hard for me. It's really hard to get into it when kids are around. So... You just do the best you can. And also know that if you do end up the gargoyle, that, you know, it's it's temporary. Okay. <laughs> you know? All right. Maybe, you I'll get a, maybe I'll get a little, like, hunchback for my desk to remind totally. me. Totally. To, to have good posture. Um, do you have two thumbs up for the week? I do. Mine are related to my trip. Okay. So my first is so, you know, traveling in the time of COVID was interesting. And I kind of knew that we would be trying to avoid public restrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are these kits, they're called teepee kits. And that's exactly what they are. They're these little pouches. And inside the pouch are two folded pieces of toilet paper and two wet wipes. And the pouch is, you know, it's it's really small and it's waterproof. And so you can pop those in your bag and then have toilet paper anywhere you are, which is fantastic if you're a camper or or if you're, you know, doing a long road trip and not wanting to stop at the at the gas station to pee. That is so smart. You and I could have used those in Southeast Asia. Yes, we could have. Uh, <laughs> we had some interesting toileting opportunities. I mean, I'm just sitting I'm just I'm just squatting and air drying. Like how long how long do I wait this out? <laughs> totally. I know. They're actually really great. And so I made I and I love how they're small, so you're not carrying a roll of toilet paper. Um and then what you can do is because you you rip the top off to get to the toilet paper, if you're trying to pack out, which is gross, but you know, it, you should, right? you don't want to leave your toilet paper out, you can put the toilet paper back in the package and then throw it away later. That's smart. So it's also like a doggy bag. Yes. It's like a doggy it. bag for humans. Yes. <laughs> um, and then my other is, okay, so I, sad to say, got very sore on our hikes um, because I was not in hiking shape by any mm. means. Um, so there is this CBD relief balm that was magical for me. It is from a company called Mad Rituals. And they have a couple different flavors isn't the right term, but like formulas. Mm-hmm. But the one that I really like was eucalyptus and peppermint. And so you can mm. rub that all over when you're sore. Um, it is very nice, very pleasant, and just, you know, a good way for like, if you've overdone it to kind of chill your body and your muscles out. 
I need to get that because I have been, you know, mountain biking and yes. I do not come home without being sore. I'm not there yet. So I've been trying to find, I'm like, oh, do I ice? Do I heat? And I yeah. tried like a, is it basically like a, a cooler, yeah. nicer, like Tiger Bomb or Icy Hot? Yes. Yes. Okay. But like it smells better, <laughs> way better. Mm, yes. And okay. it has CBD I- in it, which I do think topical CBD really helps. Okay. Okay. Great. I will. I will pick this up. And I do love eucalyptus and peppermint. So. I do too. It's like a spa. What do you have for two thumbs up? Okay. Mine are all book related because nice. I'm in book mode. Did you have like a list of books that you had to read before no. you started writing? No. Oh my. Oh no. She didn't. I asked for recommendations, and she goes, "Oh, you should read this, this, and this." And one that she recommended that I loved was "Educated by Tara Westover." Have oh, you read I lo- that? Uh, yeah, I really loved that book. Oh my gosh, I love that book. So the premise is this family. I guess they're you know would you call them? They were like end of world preppers. Yeah, they're yeah. you know they had fundamentalist you know, the, Christian right, can- preppers. canned peaches in the basement, and mm-hmm. and also really suspicious of the government. Yes, you know. Probably. I think today we just call those Republicans, but <laughs> but the time the book was written, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 they're probably flat earthers, yeah. right? Like, p- probably. Um, they're not vaccinators. So uh, she she didn't even know, like, she didn't have a birth certificate until she was 10. Yeah. And the parents weren't entirely sure of birth dates. Yes. And so she didn't go to I mean, school. And the parents were so negligent. Like, oh, so negligent. Totally. I mean, every story about her working out in the scrap, uh, the scrap field, uh, whatever yeah. it's called, scrapyard, mm-hmm. uh, like made all of my parenting senses just I like they are on edge. And so she didn't go to school until she was 17 and then did it wonderfully and now has a PhD. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a great book because there's some crossover with, you know, some fundy roots and then like she talked about them prepping for Y2K and then mm-hmm. nothing happened and that, you know, that certainly resonated with me too. So, I really liked it. I thought it was really yeah, good. I liked it um, too. And then another one that my daughters and I are reading together as part of our hmm. homeschooling that I'm still patching together is, um, okay, I didn't know this, but apparently there's this entire book series around Sherlock Holmes' little sister. What? And so it's the Enola Holmes books by Nancy Springer. And there's either a a Netflix movie or a TV series uh, starring Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes. Oh, how fun. Yes. So... We're very excited for that. And so we're reading those books and then we will be watching. And oh, that's it's fun. just I mean, the concept of Sherlock Holmes' little sister, that is so cool. That's like when, you know, you're excited for Batgirl, you know? Because totally. just like a, a woman who is cool. So okay, those I are might, my two things. I might up. have to do that very thing with my girls because I think they would enjoy that too. I think they would like that. And and by the way, just a quick uh, you know, apropos of nothing, but if you have not read Kristen's tweet from this weekend about middle school girls, the conversation you had with oh. India. <laughs> I laughed so hard. And every time I reread it, I would laugh harder. And I just sent it to like every like every mom's group I know. It is <laughs> it is so funny, especially because, you know, uh, my eldest is just about the same age. And anyway, 
I guess I guess I'm trying to get you more Twitter followers, but you should you should you should read the uh, you should read the tweet. So the concept was you guys were talking about middle school age girls and uh-huh. the the uh, the the trend to post sexy bikini shots, which is so pervasive and disturbing. All these thirteen year olds posting their sexy bathing suit shots, like they've been looking at Playboy and are posing like that. Well, the thing is, too, is that because of the work I've done in, oh, yeah. you know, seeing online abuse like that, you know, that, you know, I, I always get a little uh, around yeah. that, but I don't want to be judgmental either. But yeah, there's a there's a there are a lot of those. Oh, it's I mean, where we live, because we live near a beach, it's really like, I mean, like my 15 year old, like every girl he follows, it's just bathing suit self like bikini selfies and not like hey i'm at the beach so i'm wearing a swimsuit but like hey i'm taking a, a swimsuit shot of myself you know right, like it's right. very intentional and i don't mean to sound so fundy but now the trend is very much for thong bikini bottoms oh yeah and so which is like which is you know it's like a brave new world like i never oh, would have yeah. worn that i mean maybe i would have it was the but you know that's anyway so you had this great you told India, like, well, as long as you're posting for yourself and not for the male gaze. Yeah. And her response was, why would the male gaze care to see me in a swimsuit? (laughs) (laughs) Like gaze, (laughs) G-A-Y. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's hard because you want, like, you don't want to sexualize kids and you want them to feel empowered. And, like, I actually have no idea, like, where I can even stand on this anymore. So, well, I what I've told, I'll tell you what I've told my girls. I've told my girls, listen, if you're posting a photo of yourself doing an activity that involves a swimsuit, then you can post a photo of yourself in a swimsuit. But if the point is you to look hot in a swimsuit, we're not doing that. Like, we're not, we're just not doing that. You can right. do that when you're 18, but not right. now. Like, no, I just smart. forbid it. I just forbid it. That's smart. Like, if they're like on swim team or. You know, or, or if, if they're actually like, at the beach or if they're at the beach and it's a cute shot of their friends, you know, but like what's disturbing me is just like the, you know, the girls taking the camera, putting it in selfie mode and then getting a shot of like their shoulder and their ass and their swimsuit. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. A lot of that. I mean, it's just and, you know, they know what they I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, like you said, we don't want to sexualize young girls, but they are kind of sexualizing themselves like the you know what where whether they know it or not the posing that they're doing is intentional you know it's not like it's not like a oh here here i am it's like here i am you know yeah yeah and that's and it's kind of like you know you, if you if you want to keep up with the times i know you want to do it your friends no they doing, get a lot of likes required of you yeah they get a lot of likes so yeah we've kind of we've we've banned that a bit how and- come how come you and I, if they get so many likes, how come you and I haven't done those for Instagram? Yeah, um, I think because I have some dignity, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. Oh, I was going to say because I have some cellulite. But <laughs> well, that's okay. Too. Yeah, that too. That also because no one wants to see that. <laughs> Although, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, Gen Z, they're also into their body positivity, and you don't have to be real thin to be doing this. That's which is, true. That part's that's nice. True. That part is I nice. Do, I do like that. But then what are, then what are you saying, like – well, you can do it as long as you are pointing out a flaw. Yeah. Sorry. I've just 
I cut out. That's okay. I've just told my kids we're not doing it. We're, you know, and it's just that it's on me, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's not. We're just not doing it. lifestyle blogger Ariel Lore. She has an Instagram account and a podcast, both called The Blonde Files, and they both have a huge emphasis on health, wellness, mental health, gut health, all of the kinds of things we love to talk about on Selfie. So I'm excited to have her as a guest today. Ariel, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am so curious to talk with you and hear more about your own personal story because you're really an influencer in the health and wellness space. And if someone just popped in and looked at your Instagram feed, they may not realize that you took quite a journey to get to this place. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what got you here? Yes. And I will try to condense it as best I can. (laughs) Um, We can hear the long version. (laughs) Okay. So I grew up on the East Coast. (laughs) Um, I had, I had a really idyllic upbringing. I had, you know, none of the markers that you may imagine somebody might have who goes on to become an alcoholic and addict, which I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything was just really good on the outside. Um, It wasn't until I got to high school that I started to feel just a little bit separate from everybody else. And, you know, on the outside, I had a lot of friends. I was really engaged in like school and athletics and all of that. But on the inside, I just felt like I was like half a beat off from everybody else. And it made me feel really uncomfortable in my skin, really awkward. Um, And, you know, I just couldn't really put my finger on what was different about me than other people. It was Hmm. just like the separateness that I felt. Mm -hmm. Then I found alcohol. I found alcohol around my senior year of high school, junior or senior year. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget my first drink because all of a sudden, all of that separateness, that less than that I was secretly feeling on the inside that I was so ashamed of, it all went away. Hmm. And suddenly... I felt like I could, you know, I I could be present with other people and I felt like I was on their same level and I felt like I could be comfortable in my skin and all of these fears and what people were thinking about me and just me, 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 that was always going around my brain, that all went away and... And, you know, from that moment on, I was off to the races. I don't know to this day what was different about me than other people. But right from the beginning, I had consequences. You know, I would black out all the time. I would be, you know, there was a time when I was like found in the passenger seat of my car a couple hours away from the last place I remembered being. Hmm. Wake up in the hospital. You know, I was very, and I felt like I would drink the same amount as other people. But just from the beginning, it was just really problematic. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it was my solution to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, I wasn't going to stop. I didn't think that, that there was a problem. I thought that I was just doing it wrong. And I Mm. chased that 
We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. 
from, I guess I was around 17 or 18 at that time until I got sober at 28. And wow, it really, you know, it, it got progressively worse and never got better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there would be times when I could kind of manage for, you know, a few months here and there, and then things would inevitably fall apart. Drugs became a really big part of my story. So Xanax to help with anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, uppers to help me get up from the Xanax and downers to bring me down and alcohol all the time. That was my real love. Um, But Mm -hmm. all these other things were kind of enhancing it. And my life just fell apart. Um, Mm -hmm. So at the end, you know, I was having seizures all the time. I was living by myself because my boyfriend moved out and I was living in an empty apartment with like no TV, no nothing. Um, like I said, having seizures in and out of consciousness, in and out of the hospital. And my family flew out here to L.A. Uh This was in 2014. And they enlisted the help of some professionals. And they got me into the hospital at Cedars. And I was there until they could stabilize me from the seizures. And I went to treatment. And I got sober. And that was, you know, a pivotal moment in my life, of course. And that's kind of around the time um, or well, a couple of years after that, that's when I started the blonde files, but that was what really set my life in this direction of, you know, health and pursuing like optimal health and not just optimal health, but an, an optimal quality of life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think your story is so similar for so many people who struggle with with substance abuse or any kind of addiction, it's so often just really kind of a self-medication situation where, you know, that substance or that habit is the thing that you kind of go to for coping or, you know, to feel okay. As you started to move into a sobriety place in life, like, what did you find that you put in place of those things? Um, do you mean like what, how did I cope instead of using alcohol? Mm -hmm. Um, it was really tough, you know, I'm not going to lie because like I said, it was my solution. And, um, I think there's a saying in recovery, like the drinking, the drinking isn't the problem. The drinking is the symptom. So there was a lot going on underneath the surface that the drinking was just masking or making, you know, the drinking was making me. Um, able to to either cope with it or numb out until, of course, it stopped working. So when I got sober, you know, it, it was it was tough. I was 28 years old. I had nothing, and I had no emotional skills. I had uh-huh. never learned how to feel my feelings uh-huh. in my life. I had uh-huh. always numbed them out with something. Before it was alcohol, it was you know shopping and boys and oh yeah, <laughs> all of that. Um. So, so it was tough. At the same time, I was really lucky in that my, my rock bottom was so low mm-hmm. that I was so grateful to just be able to like not drink for two consecutive days. I could, mm. you know, go to Whole Foods without drinking a bottle of wine first because right. I was petrified of people. So on the one hand, it was really scary because I, I was feeling all these new things and especially early sobriety, everything's magnified tenfold. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I felt so alive for the first time ever. And I felt like I had this opportunity to get to know myself. And 
um, you know, I threw myself into a recovery program from the beginning. Hmm. So from the beginning, I had a community of like-minded people who mm-hmm. had been through or were going through the same thing as me. And that was maybe the most important thing because for my whole life, I had been hiding behind who I was when I drank and used. I was pretending to be this confident, Mm. together person. And that's really dangerous for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I could, you know, be around these people, be honest about what was going on and who I am and be my authentic self and be vulnerable without any kind of judgment, you know, only with support. Um, that was really, really helpful. And I had a lot of trauma to deal with. I had trauma from, you know, before I started drinking, I was in a, in a really difficult relationship that really scarred me, Mm -hmm. um, around the same time that I started drinking in high school. And then I had trauma that accumulated throughout my years of drinking. So I had to deal with that. And I just had to learn how to feel things without, acting on them. Yes. And that's hard. That's hard for all of us mm-hmm. to just kind of sit in those uncomfortable feelings and not go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to mitigate this with something else. I'm going to pop something else in this place. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, even though it was only six years ago, um, it was different than it is now. Like, I feel like now you can check out just by picking up your phone. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was a thing at the time, but like it wasn't so, now there's Instagram and TikTok and this yeah. and that and the news apps and the, the you know, you can, yeah. you, you never have to be with yourself ever. Yes. And maybe because I got sober, you know, before I was a, an influencer, so I didn't have all of those distractions <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really amazing. I'll never forget. I had been in a long-term relationship prior to getting sober. And as I mentioned, the guy moved out when I was hitting my rock bottom, but then we decided to kind of stay together. We tried to work it out. And at a year of sobriety, we broke up and it was like the most painful thing I had ever experienced. I had never experienced a breakup without the help of a substance. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, like I was lying in bed in physical pain because I was so sad and so uncomfortable and feeling these things that I had never felt before. And I just remember thinking like, it's, it's okay. There's something Mm -hmm. better on the other side. I just had this like moment of clarity and, and I didn't act on it, you know? And I think that's so important. Like we attach ourselves to these feelings and these thoughts Mm -hmm. that can be really destructive and we don't have to attach ourselves to that. And, um, you know, I learned how to meditate. That was huge, Mm -hmm. absolutely huge in my life because that taught me how to notice these things and notice how fleeting they are. Yeah, And it really taught me how, how to not attach myself, although it is tempting sometimes. (laughs) It is tempting. And I, you know, I think all of us will sort of feel that siren call to check out Mm -hmm. from time to time. Um, but you know, f- figuring out how we're living a life of mindfulness and being present in our feelings, because as you said, I mean, there are so many distractions now. Like, I mean, do you find, you know, you're, you're sober from alcohol, but do you find those trappings to be luring for you now as well? You know, scrolling or, you know, checking out with Instagram or what have you? 
Yeah, I have to be really, really mindful about my screen time. Yeah, Um, me too. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, what I'm doing now that's that's kind of helpful at Mm -hmm. times when I actually do it (laughs) is like setting a timer. So, um, you know, I'm back in school now and it's very overwhelming and I almost don't have time to even be on Instagram, but sometimes I just need a break and I need Mm -hmm. to check out and I'll be like, okay, here's 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. I set a timer on my phone and I, you know, do whatever I want to do. That's, you know, brain candy. Yeah. (laughs) And then when the timer goes off, I'm done. And that really helps me to be like cognizant of it and not just go off because if I just pick up the phone and go on Instagram which you know I do because I'm not perfect um I can be on there and look up and have it be an hour and a half later oh yeah and you know I'm on someone's cousin's brother's (laughs) sister-in-law's page like and (laughs) I don't even know what happened oh yeah (laughs) totally familiar familiar with that So what is, you know, what does sobriety and recovery look like for you today? Because I know it's a journey, you know, it's not that you get a person gets sober and then, okay, great. I'm just, you know, I can leave that behind me. Like what does ongoing recovery look like for you? So it looks a lot like it looked in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still really involved in a program. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm connecting with groups of people weekly, many, yeah. multiple times a week. And yep. um, I'm I'm trying to help other women get sober. And mm-hmm. I have people who helped me get sober who are, you know, very, um, very important people in my life today. So that's always stayed the same. Um, as I mentioned before, meditation is a big part of my life. So I started doing transcendental meditation mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And that was such a game changer really, really helped me with my anxiety, Mm. really helped me to like further get to know myself. Mm -hmm. And other than that, that doing doing those things has allowed me to have this life like beyond my wildest dreams. Mm. Um, So I I always feel like as long as I'm doing these things, like I'm solid, and then I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And it gives me like the strength and the courage to do that. And you know, I did it's not all like rainbows and butterflies. I had a really tough year. My fifth year of sobriety, I had kind of growing pains. Uh I felt like, you know, you just get new problems. Like they're, they're different problems, but they're still problems. And, you know, I found that I was having a really hard time with things like control and controlling outcomes. And you just just discover new things about yourself, but it's, it's like a constant growth. Well, and one of the things I respect so much about, you know, people who are in an ongoing 12-step program or recovery efforts is, you know, it it is a constant pruning. It's a constant reevaluation. And the people that I know who I'm close with who are in recovery groups on a regular basis are some of the healthiest people I know because they're they're going back and looking at things, kind of reevaluating themselves every week, every day. It's really amazing. And there are so many times weekly where I'm like, if everybody in the world was doing this right now, I totally agree with you. We would all be like in a really good place. We would be. (laughs) Cause you know, you're taking inventory of your defects and Uh discarding them and your whole thing is trying to, you know, live up to these principles and help somebody else and not be selfish. And, you know, all of these, these things that um, I totally agree. You know, I, I find myself in these groups and I'm just like, wow, I am so lucky 
I'm so lucky. Mm -hmm. I feel like this thing that was so shameful, you know, my addiction, my alcoholism, my drinking, all of that. It was so embarrassing. I thought it was the worst thing. I thought getting sober would be the worst thing that ever happened to Mm. me. I looked down on people who, you know, had to get sober because Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, they're such losers. (laughs) And it's the absolute best thing in my life, you know, and and my, my business, the Blonde Files, that's built on that foundation. And, and it taught me how to show up every day. And I try to ask myself, you know, every morning, how can I be helpful today? Who Mm -hmm. can I help today Mm -hmm. through the blog or through the podcast? And it's really guided me when I keep that as my, like, as my guide, I'm often steered in the right direction. If I start, um, kind of getting in the weeds with what my purpose is, Mm -hmm. things get really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, don't fully realize that recovery is really not just about like stopping a behavior, but it's Mm -hmm. about looking at all of that stuff that's underneath the behavior, um, which is work that really probably all of us need to do. As you said, I mean, we would all be better off if we were getting underneath our behaviors and looking at like, what are our motivations and, you know, what, where are we being selfish and where are we thinking irrationally and all that kind of stuff? Totally. Yeah. There are so many things, um, that just little things that I do daily that I think so many people could benefit from. And, you know, even there's something in recovery, like before you go to bed at night, you ask yourself if you, if you were resentful, if you're Uh afraid uh-huh. Um, if you were dishonest that day, uh-huh. if you were thinking only of yourself or thinking of other people uh-huh. and just being aware of those simple things. Yeah. It, I can't even tell you. I mean, it's so freeing. It's yeah. so freeing because those things accumulate and oh, they, they sure really, do. they really block you from being able to be present and, yeah. and be of any kind of help, you know, to other people be useful yourself. I mean, they're really, um, you know, they call them like emotional hangovers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have them sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, everyone you know, will. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it is that it's, you know, that's life, isn't it? It's just daily getting back up and like the workout you did yesterday doesn't count for today, you right. know, mentally <laughs> or physically. It's like, you got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I pretend it does though. I'm like, oh, I did. I know I wish. <laughs> I sure wish it did. <laughs> well, quickly, do you have any advice, you know, for listeners who may be hearing this and thinking like, man, I I know that I have some issues around alcohol or other substances and I know, you know, I need to make a step. Like what what is a what does a first step look like for someone who says like it's time? You know, I, Barring like there a need for an intervention or something to that effect. Like if someone's listening and thinking like, I've got to, I've got to make a step here. Where could people start? You know, I think it's, it's kind of tough because I feel like it's different for everybody. I've yeah. had a lot of people reach out to me since the pandemic started. I bet. More so than normal. Um, yeah, as expected. I think a lot of people are either noticing unhealthy coping habits mm-hmm. since we're not so distracted or they've, you know, acquired un- unhealthy oh, yeah. coping habits and, and now they're like, okay, I need to stop this. Um, so I think it's different for everybody. You know, that that program that I mentioned has been 
absolutely the best thing in my life, but it's not for everybody. That said, mm-hmm. there's so many online um, resources right now. So yeah. you know, I'm always happy to share those with anybody who sends me a message or an email. Um, and then I think maybe like for me, like journaling is always mm-hmm. really illuminating. So if somebody thinks, you know, well, maybe this is problematic, but I'm not sure, but I don't know why I'm doing it. Just writing down, you know, mm-hmm. pros and cons or writing mm-hmm. down your thoughts around it. Um, there's something really magical about getting things out of your head and getting them on paper and and finding somebody who they can talk to about it. Absolutely. Yeah. To your point, my, my boyfriend showed me a meme the other day and it was like a picture of this huge crowd of people. I'm sure it was at some, you know, live aid or huge festival. Um, but it said 2021 AA meeting (laughs) (laughs) just because, you know, I, I think a lot of people are in the, in the midst of the stress and the pandemic and being locked at home. And, you know, I think a lot of people are turning to drinking more and it's almost like, It's almost a so it's almost socially acceptable, like it's a joke, you know. Yeah. Um, that you know, well, we'll just drink more. Do we need more wine for next year? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and you know, it's like for some people, they can drink a little and and then not, and then for others, it just you know, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely different um, stages, I guess, and and some people. I know people who could drink like I was drinking and then they would get up and go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a <laughs> big difference there. Yeah. Um, you know, they were able to function and and I was not. So, um, yeah, I wish that I had just like one answer, like go here and <laughs> talk to this person or go here. But I know there's that no flow for chart. sure. Yeah. But the online A meetings are amazing and you can get on yeah. a meeting Anywhere in the world. Anywhere, anytime, any day. Yeah. And it felt like it was like a week into the pandemic that it was this whole system was set up. It was so amazing. We were like, wow, again, like if the world were run by recovered alcoholics, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Things would be a lot more efficient. Um, Yeah. And yeah, you know, there's some of them with, you know, a thousand people in it. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. (laughs) So I'm curious to ask you, because I know that, you know, health and wellness, like physical health and wellness is also a big part of your platform. And, you know, as you have moved into sobriety and mental health, do you find that there's a connection between mental health, sobriety, and physical health? There absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there, there's a big connection there are connections in in good ways and bad ways. Um, Or I don't want to call it bad, but like, absolutely taking care of my physical health has effects on my mental health, right? So Mm -hmm. getting good sleep, being Mm -hmm. active, whatever that looks like, um, which right now is very like nourishing, slow movement, Pilates kind of stuff, some walking. Um, You know, things are stressful right now. So it doesn't necessarily feel good to me to go and like berate myself in the gym. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And do a hit workout. Um, Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes I've really learned how to like tune into my energy for any given day. So sometimes Mm. I wake up and I'm so freaking wired and I just Mm -hmm. need to let it out and I'll do Mm -hmm. like 20 minutes of hit. And other times it really looks like um, something much slower. Mm. I also found that 
you know, it has not been smooth sailing health-wise since I got sober. I think I did a lot of damage to my body, my hormones, my mm-hmm. gut. All of these systems were so messed up mm-hmm. <laughs> after getting sober. And, um, and it's been a journey for a few years. You know, I've been working on these things and... I do all the right things, right? So I eat clean, quote unquote clean, and I sleep and I meditate and I'm active and I was still having issues. And it wasn't until like in this past year that I really made the connection between unresolved trauma and emotional wounds and my physical health. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, I've even I've spoken to a few GI doctors lately. I had one on my podcast a few weeks ago and he was like, yeah, you know, trauma for sure causes dysbiosis in the gut. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we know that stress, if you're stressed, the first thing to go is your digestion, right? If you're getting chased by a bear, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not digesting your food. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you're chronically stressed and if you have trauma, that can manifest as, you know, chronic stress. Oh, yeah. um, Your digestion, your gut is going to be... And dysbiosis. And then, of course, that affects your hormones. Mm-hmm. And it's like a cascading effect. Yeah. So I've been kind of walking this tightrope between like being active, taking care of myself, doing all the things, and then also being really gentle with myself mm. and working on um, trauma resolution and working on stress management and um, and focusing on on that aspect of it. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, a really delicate balance there. Absolutely. And, I, you know, what's so tough is, you know, the pandemic is pushing a lot of people who maybe didn't have compound trauma um, or chronic stress, but it's like, a lot of us are finding that we are living in that in that space now. And that whole cascade of symptoms that you mentioned is just so widespread at this point. I'm, I'm talking to so many people who are having gut issues and hormonal issues and all the psychosomatic symptoms that go along with chronic stress. Yeah, it's absolutely astonishing how many yeah. people I mean you know I've done like polls on Instagram I did one today mm-hmm. because you're going to come on my show and I was, <laughs> we're going to talk about anxiety and I was like just curious if anyone's experiencing anxiety and I got like thousands of yeah. questions and responses within like you know an hour um, yeah I think that between the pandemic between the um, you know the racial <laughs> injustice yeah. everything that's going on right now I think there's a lot of people experiencing grief yeah. experiencing mm-hmm. trauma Uh, experiencing chronic stress. And I don't know what the answer is. I think it's different for everybody. I think some people do really well with, you know, getting it out in their workout and um, Mm -hmm. getting the stress out and and all that. But I think um, there's also this added layer of feeling like we we shouldn't be feeling it or something or mm-hmm. like we we also on top of that have to be functioning at a really high level and um i think everyone's just like burnt out and i think, and I think so it's too. hard to give ourselves grace right now but i feel yeah. like that's the most important thing i do too i do too it's like we we're all at diminished capacity i mean that's the bottom line and so we all have to give ourselves a lot of grace yeah it's hard Okay, I want to talk just for a little bit, though, about this idea of healing the gut, because I have had gut issues that are very much tied to stress. And I would love to hear a little bit about your journey of 
healing your gut, which I know is, of course, as as many things are, an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my gut healing journey started a few years ago. Um, I when I started my Instagram account, I had no clue what it meant to be healthy. And at that time, there were a lot of popular fitness programs on Instagram, as there still are. Um, but they were pretty hard on your body. And there was a big emphasis on like before and after pictures. And Ah. so I was doing one of them. That's actually how I built my account initially. And I thought that healthy meant abs. Like that was it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to not eat carbs. I'm going to work out all the time. And I was doing all these things. I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, at the time, but I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And what happened was I, I completely ran my body into the ground and I reached a point where I was so bloated all the time. I was so nauseous. I was so fatigued. I was having, you know, skin problems, really acute digestive problems as well, which we won't get into. Um, but things, things were not going well. And I had been going to a gastroenterologist for a year who I adore, but, um, we were just running tests and, you know, I, I was put on steroids. Oh, um, yeah. I was diagnosed with something called lymphocytic colitis and I was put on steroids that I think you're only supposed to be on for like three weeks max. I was on it for two and a half years. <gasps> oh my. So that wreaked havoc. I had no clue until I got to this point where I was like bloated, lethargic, you know, f- nauseous, all of that. Yeah. So I went to see a nutritionist here in San Diego who a friend recommended and he did some tests and found that I had like bacterial overgrowth, um, candida, and what else did I have? And a parasite. So the lovely trifecta. And, totally. Um, and he really taught me about like supplementation and how to heal the gut naturally. And so for over a year, we worked together and I weaned off of that steroid, which was really hard. And I learned... Um, what foods were triggering certain issues and just how to eat better for my gut. And it's funny, you know, the stress component. He said, probably the most important thing I can do is chew my food, Hmm. (laughs) not eat in front of the computer or TV or Uh phone. (laughs) Convicted. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my husband and I eat dinner in front of like MSNBC. Totally. We're in fight or flight. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not chewing or just shoving it down and like <laughs> she angry. She yeah. Caking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he helped me like implement these these other practices that I try to do today. I don't I can't always do them. Um and things really got better uh pretty yeah. pretty quickly. That said, you know, it hasn't been linear, like I said, and yeah. things got better and then they get worse again. And um, at the end of last year, I was in therapy and I see a, a therapist who I've seen my whole sobriety. She's also a trauma therapist. And we were dealing, we were talking about this big, big T trauma that I had before mm-hmm. I got sober. And when I got sober, I felt like um, I kind of dealt with it. And I was like, okay, I dealt with it and I moved on, even though I never dealt with it. I just felt like, well, it doesn't, I don't feel activated around it. So Mm. I must have dealt with it. A few years into sobriety, I started having these symptoms manifest, like my digestive issues and anxiety attacks out of nowhere. And 
Um, and my therapist suggested that maybe we deal with the trauma. And so we started doing brain spotting. And the first time we did that, which for the listeners, if they don't know, it's it's kind of a, you might be able to speak to it better than I can, but it's a technique for processing trauma out of your body, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we would talk about the trauma and then she would hold me there at that point where I'm really, really activated, you know, mm-hmm. where my body goes numb and I'm drenched in sweat. And she said, where do you feel it? And I, I said, my gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all in my stomach. Oh, yeah. And, and you you essentially keep doing it, do it over and over again, like you're squeezing the lemon out. So each time we do Mm -hmm. it, the hope is that you're less activated. And so we really worked on getting this trauma out of my body. Um, And things started getting better again. So it's it's really amazing. Intertwined. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is so intertwined, all of it. And as it's, as you said, it's intertwined, and it's nonlinear. And I, I hope that, you know, people are reminded of that too, that it's, you know, it's, it's a daily process and sometimes we flail and then we get back up and try. Yeah. You know, I get so many messages pretty much daily from people saying that they're bloated. They just want to know what supplements to take. And I always tell people like I get bloated too often. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, and there isn't just one supplement that I take. And we're always changing, yeah. especially women, right? I mean, we have, oh, yeah. we're, we're going through different cycles just within mm-hmm. the month mm-hmm. and our bodies are changing and our needs are different. There isn't just one universal thing, at yeah. least that I've found. I'm not an expert. Um, <laughs> that, that I can do or take or eat or anything like that, mm-hmm. that, um, that works a hundred percent of the time. Nope. So, and then in two years, none of it might work. And you know, right, exactly. You have to find a new, a new plan because it's hormones or age or whatever. Yeah. And I, I always tell people like what worked for me six months ago doesn't mm-hmm. work for me now. So please don't yeah. just do what I'm doing. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. It can be very gratifying. It can be tough, but it can be gratifying to really get to know your body and try to really like attune to it and yeah. anticipate its needs. And yeah. Um, and instead of like just trying to force it into this mold, just kind of, you know, be, be more gentle. Absolutely. All right. Last question for you. What are two of your self-care lifesavers right now? What are two things that are really helping you in your self-care journey? Okay. One, (laughs) let's see. There's a lot. Um, Okay. So one is these cookies from Coco Love. Have you heard of them? No. It's a Black-owned bakery here in LA and it's vegan. A lot of it is gluten-free. It's all refined, sugar-free, gum-free, soy-free, you know, all the things. Yeah. It is the best baked goods I've ever had in my life. Ooh. My husband, if I if I tell him something is like gluten-free or or refined sugar-free, he's he's not having it. He's like, skeptical. T- um not even he's very judgmental. He doesn't <laughs> want it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He's decided he hates it before he even tries right, it. Right. With this, now he just asks me for it like every other day. They deliver, they're amazing. So they make these chocolate chip cookies and it's like the highlight of my day. At the end of the day after dinner, I have this cookie and it like just makes me so happy. <laughs> okay, I have to try these. Tell me the name of it again. I, I'll send you some. Okay. They are amazing. It's Coco Love. Coco Love. Okay. I think their Instagram is Coco Love Cookies. 
And oh, they also have these um, cinnamon buns and oh, they have coffee word. cake that's really good. Yeah. So that's been, you know, just something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I would say are bubble baths. That's another mm. thing that just really helps me. Like I feel like with school, with work, with mm-hmm. everything that's going on right now, by the end of the day, I'm just a big ball of tension, yes, even totally. if I'm doing all of the self-care, that, even if I'm meditating twice mm-hmm. a day and going for a walk, it it doesn't matter. So just having that time to, oh, yeah. you know, relax, not be on my phone, read a book or something mm-hmm. and kind of ease into yes. bed. That's yes. super helpful too. I am a bath person as well. Me too. Always is a good reset button. <laughs> yes. Well, where, pe- where can people find you online? So they can find me at Ariel Laurie on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And from there, they can find my podcast, The Blonde Files Podcast. Um, it also has its own Instagram. Uh, my website is theblondefiles.com. And what else? I have a bunch of other. Oh, I'm on TikTok now, but <laughs> that's just cooking videos. But they can find everything. Everything's on my Instagram link there. Awesome. And we'll link up to it on our um, show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm BJ, an emotional wellness coach. In my private practice, we address trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives every day. I've found my self-care has a profound impact on my mental well-being. So I'm here to invite you into the journey of emotional self-care. And today we're going to talk about the cornerstone of self-care, feeling feelings. Feelings are so needy, right? Always right there forcing us to feel them. And in this dang pandemic, they're more like a toddler throwing a tantrum sometimes. This global crisis is like getting your glasses prescription renewed after letting it slide for a couple of years. If you have perfect vision, this metaphor won't make the least bit of sense to you. Because what those of you who see well don't realize is if you don't have perfect vision, you forget your head is covered in individual hairs. When you're doing an upgrade in your script, those hairs all bleed together like a helmet. Then you get new contacts or glasses and suddenly you see every individual hair on your head, every pore on your face, every flaw in your skin. It's actually quite unnerving. And it's exactly what's happening to us emotionally in this pandemic. It's like putting all of our emotional lives under a microscope. And it's a lot to deal with when life is so uncertain. So if you came into this with some unhealthy numbing going on in your life already, it has likely escalated during this crisis. And that's what we're going to look at today. A couple of our listeners are really concerned with the amount of numbing they're doing to cope right now. And I have a feeling you might be too. So why is feeling so hard right now? Let's look at it this way. If your nervous system could be measured on a thermometer, what would your emotional temperature be? If that thermometer measures from 0 to 100, let's make up a number that represents an ideally regulated nervous system. Let's say it's 20. Many of us, due to, many of us due to trauma and PTSD, have been functioning at 50 to 70 for as long as we can remember. And if that's your normal, then you can tolerate a lot of chaos either around you or within you pretty well. Except here's what the pandemic does. It creates a deficit. It adds 10 to 20 degrees to your baseline all the time. So if I run on a pretty regulated system where my baseline is 20 to 30, then in the pandemic, I start each day at 30 to 40. When I experience stress throughout the day, I'm still within a manageable range, even at 50 to 60. 60. 
But if I start at 50 or above, my emotions are boiling over with very little stimulation. When you consider our nervous systems get dysregulated by everyday interruptions like loss of sleep, poor nutrition, limited physical activity, then what happens when you add in anxiety? At some point, we're going to shut down. If we don't have the means to regulate our system, we will grab the first thing that shuts it down and numb it. So listener, when you said, I'm trying to fight and learn everything I can to combat using those things to numb, but then I read the news and order a pizza and find myself on my second glass of wine in no time. Kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? Many of us have so much on our plates that are raising that emotional temperature throughout the day that we are literally living on the edge of panic. In that state, we really don't have the bandwidth to choose healthy coping options, so we numb. The reason numbing is problematic, though, is we're basically putting a stopper in the thermometer to keep it from rising. Then when we wake up the next day, sleep might have lowered our emotional temperature a bit, but it didn't regulate our systems enough to start back at a healthy baseline. So now we're starting from an even greater deficit. Our goal is to find a way to regulate our nervous systems to as low a baseline as possible each day. We can't do this from the panic zone. It's just not going to happen. That's too overwhelming. So we have to be intentional about regulating it throughout the day and trying to reset it overnight. So how do we do that? Well, let me start with those of you with emotional temperatures of over 60. If you've been putting off trauma work, this may feel like the worst possible time to begin. I'm going to suggest that it's likely the best time. Please reach out to me if you'd like suggestions on where to start that work. For all of us, cue broken record. Breath work and mindful practices are essential. Beginning and ending your day with getting your breath back into your diaphragm is absolutely crucial because in simple terms, when your nervous system is activated, you breathe from your chest, which causes a CO2 intolerance that affects everything lung related, resulting in elevating your nervous system continuously. You will never regulate your system or your anxiety without diaphragmatic breathing. It's just not possible. Second, feel. Develop a practice of giving yourself space throughout the day to check in with your body. Your body knows what you are feeling long before your brain registers the emotion, and ignoring its signals is what raises your emotional temperature. So if you feel the small feelings throughout the day, they won't grow into insurmountable, overwhelming, I can't handle it so I have to grab a glass of wine right now, big feelings. Give them voice, validate them, and you for having them, and move on. Next, practice interrupting the numbing. Pour two ounces of wine in a small glass and grab a large glass of water at the same time, leaving the bottle in the kitchen. Savor it and see if you can resist a second glass. If you tend to wing it for dinner, then make poor nutritional choices. A couple of times a week, set a timer earlier in the day to remind you to prep dinner so the day doesn't get away from you. Find ways to organize your life in a way that makes it easier for you to make better choices for yourself. You're going to have to be intentional about this. It's not going to come naturally during this time. And find ways to soothe yourself emotionally. I'll offer some unique resources for this in our community conversation. Ignoring our feelings requires us to abandon ourselves. Turning inward, allowing your feelings to breathe will expand your emotional lungs. It's the only way we'll be able to make it through this. Choose you. You deserve it. See you soon in our community page. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.